If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Courtney. Hi, y'all. We are back from the adventure of a lifetime. (laughs) Pretty adventurous. (laughs) (laughs) Next week is the official like Fat Tuesday and Ash Wednesday. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I sent Marlea and Courtney a photo of what the area we were staying at looked like and it was a hot mess of people mm-hmm. i showed that picture to my older child who looked at it and physically recoiled <laughs> that's basically what people. i did i was just like cool well <laughs> i'm 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 in my 40s now so i don't think i could do that but i've been there when it looked similar on new year's and I couldn't. This body can't handle that like my 25-year-old <laughs> body did. Yeah. This version of me. Pushing through. No. Well, Post-COVID, pray. Like, I can't imagine. Just, I, just the <sighs> bathrooms. I was just like, how yeah. are people going to pee? That's, know, that, that was, was like my first reaction. <laughs> Where are these people peeing? You Where see how I do it with my one place that we know has it. It doesn't matter if we're three blocks away. Let's walk back because I need to go to that bathroom right. again. If By you the find way, a place, go. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. all make it your bu- home base. Favela chic <laughs> on Frenchmen for mm-hmm. having a bathroom mm-hmm. and the best like lamp warmed pizza. Yeah, at any time of day, <laughs> and always a bar stool open. Always, mm-hmm. which is like it served us so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I liked it there. Yeah. Me too. We Good had... beer prices. Get them a beat of amber. It was yeah. nice. I like like uh, oh fucking who was it who was it that was on the TV all the time Shakira Shakira Shakira, Shakira. yeah mm-hmm. I um, that. and I I couldn't even remember who that was <laughs> I was like who's that blonde girl remember that lady that says my hips don't lie <laughs> uh, so I think we had for for my for my take anyways uh, we had a trip that was just right up my alley it was like Mm -hmm. it was my speed it pushed me a little bit you know I like I didn't hide in my house the whole time which sometimes I could see myself doing but we saw three parades Mm -hmm. and they were like they were more like hometown parades yeah so before we talk about that let's talk about this drink Uh, mm -hmm. it's bringing us back and and one of the reasons (laughs) that when I came back it was like after vacation depression it's because we stayed literally almost on the same block as mm-hmm. a little brunch cafe. Yeah. And so we were just able to walk and get a wonderful like breakfast or brunch. Mm-hmm. And then a Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. <laughs> Bucket, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's already starting in, y'all. Yeah, it's what good. the fuck is this thing I'm drinking? Mm-hmm. It's a Bloody delicious Mary. Is it's what it is. Delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. And so Patrice was like, yeah, I woke up Tuesday and was like, I can't just walk down the street and get a Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't here either to just make you one because we did bring all the things to make <laughs> them. And That's I made true. them. And yes. you made a delicious one. We mm-hmm. made some good ones. Uh, yeah, I had about four when we were there, maybe. And mm-hmm. um, my favorite, though, was at the French Market. What is it? The daiquiri, banana daiquiri stand. The, or it? the yes. organic banana. The organic banana. That you was wouldn't really think, good. But they did all kinds of fresh 
drink. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, I saw somebody I get a Bloody Mary. Then I was like, all right, it's got all the fruity stuff. I'm afraid. And no, my mouth watering just thinking about it. It was really they good. They had all this different season salt. In. Anyway, loved it. And this is a Bloody Mary, which I know I've done this before. And it's probably been years now since I've made a Bloody for the show. Yeah. I don't know. But I have re I like updated my recipe this year because at Tailgate, I made a new one. That's why I'm calling this one the Tailgate Bloody Mary. Because one of our friends who's vegetarian, which Marlette is pescatarian. So I've always made it with Worcestershire sauce. Mm-hmm. doesn't bother her. But those of you who don't know, Worcestershire sauce has fish. Fish sauce. Sauce fish. in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not vegetarian. So at Tailgate, I decided to check and make sure. And one of my favorite condiments is A1 sauce. I love A1 <laughs> sauce. Absolutely. Googled it. Verified. Looked at the label no, nothing but fruits and vegetables in it it's completely vegetarian so i added it mm, it's this good a1 bloody mary no. with all the rest of the stuff wickles pickles juice mm, olive juice oh. didn't have any horseradish but patrice said she did i wish i would ask but it's still delicious yeah and now, all the sides because it has a i kind of want a steak <laughs> yeah <laughs> i am not a vegetarian <laughs> yep i love a1 so much so that that's a really i like the flavor to I add do just too. a little it's oh, not yeah. even much i don't even it, it like oh, it, it's really good it kind of fills kind of a void that mm-hmm. um sometimes they could have that mm-hmm. i think they try to overpower with hot sauce yeah. like that first yes bloody mary that oh, we yeah had. so we went and everything else was great at that hudak coffee hudak coffee yes. cafe yeah was like uh, the food was wonderful oh, the gosh. staff was they great really it was nice. a very cool place even but the customers were there we made friends with some locals yes right? yes but that bloody i i it was drank hot. maybe half of mine yeah i drank the rest of everybody yeah. else courtney drank everybody <laughs> on else's. our way to st louis cemetery number one it was so hot mm-hmm. so one of the wonderful things like it's been a minute since i've been to new orleans where i just went there to go to enjoy new orleans mm-hmm. usually it's been like a conference or, or something else is happening that i'm on somebody else's dime down there so we had like this wonderful airbnb and when we got there and it was like around seven it's like the sun was set it setting set up whatever it was getting near dark and there was all these people out on this big grass lot and we were like maybe two blocks from the river all of these like floats mm-hmm. start appearing and these costumes and lots just of blinky lights lots, lots of, of lights blinky, yes. like costumes with lights on it and then like we start hearing like the band start playing and come to find out that exactly where we were was the starting point for one of the first uh, mardi gras parades of the season which was crew bohem and so i went to their website to kind of look them up to see what they were about I'm just going to read you this oh, straight cool. off the website. Crew Boheme is a carnival parade, the likes of which has never been seen in the history of the city. Crew Boheme has the distinct honor of being one of the first parades of the carnival season. Each year, Crew Boheme brings visual and auditory fest and mystery and artistry and fun. And this year's theme was Night of the Living Art. So uh, they have only been around since I think uh, 2019. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. So I they were few years they were old. Very, yeah. very young. And one of the things that makes them unique is like, unlike most carnival crews, Crew Boheme does not have a typical king or queen. Rather, they have a supreme green fairy. Oh, which is that the girl inside the round, yes. inside the flowers? Uh, yes. And the green fairy is kind of an inside joke, meaning absence. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Also stated on their website, according to Carnival historian Errol 
Labadorde, Laborde. Okay. French, <laughs> French dude. French guy. A French guy. Crew Bohem is another example of the leadership role that women are taking in Carnival. In recent years, women have led most of the new organizations. Laborde uh, added that he likes the name Bohem and that it fits with the artistic characters of both Carnival and the uh, Marigny French Quarter neighborhood. Which he, is where we stay. Which is where we stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He also noted that the idea of the Green Fairy as the monarch is especially clever. It's an insider joke, he noted, uh, but one worth bringing to light. So he says that this Green Fairy is the nickname given to absence. The potent anise, is that how you say anise. it? And anise. Mm-hmm. Anise-flavored liqueur used in many of the city's early cocktails. He said Bohem follows the tradition of artist parades originally established in the 1970s by the crew of clones, the group which was based at the then-new Contemporary Art Center, which we went by, mm-hmm. uh, established the small-scale walking parade with miniature floats. Mm-hmm. The oh, crew to view um, would carry on clones' legacy in the tradition of the carnival, Labadorde said, ideas have a way of revolving and each adding its own new touches. Hmm. So, uh, I there's, just liked them. Oh, my. <laughs> well, if you go, yeah, if you go to uh, crewbohem.com, the list of the, the crews that were marching in that um, parade. It's very interesting because you, you have like very whimsical. You had like the Marie Antoinette's mm-hmm. and um, you had like the French. They were all wearing berets and singing modern songs in, in French. French. Yeah. Right. That, was in French yeah. that was yeah a lot of fun. So you can go through and see like who was marching in that particular parade. And it was just such a joy. Like it's totally to me set the mood for um that weekend that mm-hmm. we spent there and it was so much fun yeah that one was my favorite for sure yeah for sure yeah and i'm realizing remember they had the giant green praying mantis yes and, and they had the, the giant, giant snail green, and uh-huh. the frog and the lady was green mm-hmm. the big like floral the fan yeah mm-hmm. yeah she was she had green i it really was i thought the the most creative and, mm-hmm. and we most, were just it really was literally whimsical. at our front it door was literally fun. and we yeah. just walked out our front door and started wandering around while yeah. they were getting ready to line up for the parade and the they week. were the only one that went up frenchman that we right. saw yeah. so because crudevu went the like the perpendicular mm-hmm. way and we saw that one and um or crude illusion went the perpendicular way crudevu started the same place as delusion and so one was very short and one was quite a bit longer. And like Crudevu was like a, the big one for mm-hmm. the weekend. Right. And it was super political. Yeah. Oh everybody, everybody that we talked to was like, oh, that's the raunchy one. Yeah. yeah. And like was, by the too. time we got there, though, I was like, it wasn't as I raunchy. expected like I expected somebody putting their junk in my face. Like, yeah. that's what I was looking for. The I was floats like, were giant penises with the mayor riding those penises. Yes. Yeah. And there was some serious. Nobody. That's right. Yes. There was the, the massive, the massive <laughs> uterus with like yes. the tubes that were the yes. arms and the angry face. There was super political. Yes. It's like the mayor and potholes seem to be like the two big themes. <laughs> of a lot of the um, oh, and parades. the changing of the roots. Everybody had something oh, that was yes. like a dig on the cha- the last minute changes in the roots, and people being repositioned to different days, and mm-hmm. nobody was happy about that stuff. Yeah, but um oh, and the big box 
places to be. I guess this mayor. Oh yeah, pretty, that one was. There, yeah, I think that's part of the mayor. Lot, yeah, a yeah. lot about that. Like big not box wanting stores big taking box everything. Stores in the yeah. But yeah, and I wanted to shout out some like because Horns Horns Eatery was like my favorite breakfast place that we went. It was the one that was literally a block from our place, and yes. it was just this really chill. It had outdoor seating, and it got to seventy degrees while we were there. Mm-hmm. But Perfect. that may be Courtney's no least favorite because she wasn't feeling great well, when we it, went there. Yeah, I will say, uh, yeah, but we had- Pat O'Brien <laughs> did me in again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we had. I ate my hash browns. Though. You did. Yes. I, I had vegan to, bacon. What mm. did I eat? I'm trying to remember what you had that day. I feel like you might have had a sandwich. The bacon, like egg, a, and cheese sandwich. Yeah, you had a sandwich. On that giant white they, sourdough yeah. bread. I fucking don't remember No, that that's what now. I had. Is that what you had? No, yeah, yeah that's right, because you brought it home. I don't remember. I had vegan bacon and eggs. I totally don't remember. But I loved, like, the vibe of the place was so good. It was just so, like, cozy, and we got to sit outside, and then... And we were sitting, like, with a lot of the locals, like... Yeah. Everything in the Marini was more locals. Yeah. Yeah. And we went to Frenchman Art and Books. That was another place we can shout out in the Art Bazaar on Frenchman. And the last brunch we had was the French Toast on Decatur Street down Mm -hmm. by uh, the market, down... Mm-hmm. Um, by the French market. Right. And that was that, delicious. that was stellar. And then our fancy birthday dinner for Patrice at yes. the Bourbon, Bourbon House. I know. That These were so all great. So we had a full mm. vacation weekend. We really shoved a lot mm-hmm. in there. We really did. Yeah. Yeah. And still like I feel like we didn't press yeah. it. We too rested hard. too. We mm-hmm. did rest. Yes. Yes. We saved time to watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> we did. <laughs> So, well, I have a story today that is based on our trip there. I was like, this is a cheat day because you guys have already heard some of this information when we were there. (laughs) All right. We'll hold on for just a second. All right. We'll be right back. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. All right. So one of the only like we didn't do tour stuff really very much while we were there because we just really enjoyed doing the parades and being very chill and looking at street art. It's so much. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, the whole vibe of New Orleans. People watching is the best thing. Seriously, just enjoy. We could just sit out on our stoop of that house and watch people walk by. We walked up and there were people with thongs and pasties like before we got out of the car. And I was like, like, all right, this is going to be something. (laughs) I know we saw it. You said you'd already seen boobs like by the time, by 10 minutes in. (laughs) Right. 10 minutes in. I was like, I already saw like half naked person. And boobs. I had to text my son. And something else. You said, I've had a something in a. <laughs> and boobs. <laughs> and boobs. Yeah. I told him, I was like, we're already here. And 
already have seen something in boobs. And <laughs> my son was just like, wow. <laughs> no, I think he said nice. And uh, then he was like, for the other thing, not oh, the yeah, boobs. Oh, yeah. I that's... can't remember what the other thing <laughs> was. What the... oh, uh, weirdly, the, the two special stops that we really did were cemetery stops. Mm-hmm. Yes. So on our way, and some oh, of you shit, may I have seen this. That. Yeah, some of you may have seen this because we, we shared some of it online. But we stopped in, um, in Mississippi to see the grave of um, the Gypsy Queen. Right. That Patrice Kelly has talked Mitchell. about. Kelly Mitchell on on the show. It was really cool. It's just this little like regular cemetery just kind of shoved in the middle of the city. Right. And wait, we were in, oh shit, what city were we in? Meridian. Meridian. Mississippi. And oh yeah, we had a good meal there too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, uh, but we we saw the, the Gypsy Queen's grave and, you know, there were still Fanta bottles on the grave and, and candles and like all kinds of little offerings and everything on the grave. So that was that was really awesome to to see, and we took some pictures to share. But the other thing we wanted to see was Saint Saint Louis Cemetery Number One, which is mm-hmm. the cemetery that people want to see, right? Predominantly, I guess, when mm-hmm. they're in New Orleans, because this is the big name cemetery. I didn't I didn't know a lot about it. You know, I mean, I knew, okay, well, this is where Marie Laveau is buried. That's all I knew about it. And I knew that this is where Nicolas Cage's weird pyramid is. Yes. These are the only two things I really knew about this cemetery. I've been once before. And Courtney already had some, yeah, she'd already experienced it. And so some stuff has changed since you were there, too. Oh, big time. We'll have to share the picture. You know, I I shared with you all what it really looked like before. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I was kind of fascinated with this above-ground burial idea because the first time I had been to New Orleans which I kind of completely forgotten about until we got there was for a trade show. When I was very young, my my first my second major job out of college and my boss and I were in a cab driving down from the airport to the convention center, I guess. But we were one wherever we were going, we were passing by one of the cemeteries with and you can see from where we were driving like all the vaults rising up over the walls of the cemetery and Steve was telling me, you know, the reason they do this is because the water table is so high that, you know, if you bury people in the ground, they just pop back out. And so that's the only thing I knew about, like, vault cemetery. Me too. We went to see this again. Marie Laveau, Nicholas Cage, like the big name cemetery. And we had to get a tour guide. We had to buy our tickets in advance and get a tour guide because this is controversial um, in the city. But the archdiocese, it's a Catholic cemetery. Right. And the local archdiocese has taken over all tours. They no longer allow tours from outside tour groups to go in. You can't just wander into the cemetery, which you could have like one point. Like I did. Mm-hmm. I just, we, well, we pay. You still had to go to that little visitor center and mm-hmm. pay, but they just let you walk around and do whatever you wanted. Yeah. You stay as long as you wanted. They don't do that matter. anymore. And no, I it's feel totally like different. There was a, a time where they stopped letting people do that and said only tours, I feel like. And then they said only tours through the archdiocese. I think they I think that they said also that um they stopped letting anyone in except family members. For a, there the was family. like at least two years <laughs> yeah. where they didn't do any tours at all. Right. And then the archdiocese started um having their own tour guides come in and do well, or whoever they contracted their tour guides come in and do the tours. So there's really only way that one way that you can get in. So we had found all that out in advance and we had booked our tickets while we were sitting here in pod basement to go. Like we got to go. So you walk in to the cemetery and it's like the one of the first things I noticed was this like kind of bizarre. There's no sense of order inside, Mm -hmm. you know, like when you walk in, if you're not following a guide, I don't know that I would have known where to go, like because there's no pathway that you can really. I mean, there's a bunch of kind of gravel walking paths and things like that, but there's no clear 
flow of traffic around this area. It's not like you see in a lot of cemeteries where things are in rows. There's these, you know, four foot tall mausoleums, and then there's these graves on the ground that are just slightly raised up. And then, I mean, just all types of different things in all types of different orders. And there's just no, no rhyme or reason to it. Right. But it's really cool. Everything is a different style. It's like walking into a labyrinth. And some of them, it looked like, like, I even felt like some of the ones that our guide was taking us to, you kind of had to like wriggle between things to get to the next. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was interesting. Yeah. There was no like really standing around him. It's like you kind of stood down the row and, mm-hmm. you know, tried to hear what he was saying. Yeah. Because there was no open space Mm-mm. where a tour group could stand to really listen together. Yeah, I think they did like 15 to 20 people. There weren't that many of no, us. No. And couldn't. there weren't very many yeah. of us. Right. No. So they call they call the these uh, above ground cemeteries in New Orleans the cities of the dead, and that's part of the reason they say that these are like the the crypt condos, these these almost like miniature houses that they build to put people in. Some of them, you know, some of them are just pristine, just beautiful white marble with these massive like Roman inspired mm-hmm. angels on the top, and some of them are just like bricked in little boxes with plaster and things growed through yes and everything is kind of covered with white plaster it's the oldest Exxon cemetery in new orleans so it's like people are still being buried there that's still active and so i find out when we walk in that my boss's story is not the only story of why they build people above ground so one of the first things that the tour guide and our tour guide was charles this was through the archdiocese and i'll I'll put the link on the um, website but it was funny because as we were walking to the to the tour, he told us that he he has a a, a messenger bag with him and he's got a patch on it. And it says from Chiha State Park. And he's a he's a Pinhoti trail hiker. Right. So he's like from our neck of the woods. And, you know, we we're able to talk to him and everything. But he was very sweet and knowledgeable. He was he was great. Well, he was from great. there, but he has been here. Yes. Right. He wasn't from here. No, he wasn't yeah. from here. No, but, but he um, knew where he we were from. This when... area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, he was he was super corny, but he was awesome. I really, really liked him. Right. Um, And I remember stuff that he said, which is kind of a big deal for me when I go on tours. (laughs) I remember he he was a a history major. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, he had a lot of good, you know, yeah, corny jokes, but Mm -hmm. lots of good information. Lots of good information. I liked it. So one of the first things he does when we walk in is stop at the wall. You walk in, you kind of turn left and there's a there's the wall that kind of surrounds the entire cemetery Mm -hmm. and stop at the wall. And you look at it in the wall is made of vaults. They're called wall vaults or oven vaults. And the openings on them are only a little larger than, of course, the height and width of a casket because caskets go in these holes in the wall. Um, New Orleans was founded in the, from the French, by the French in 1718. Mm-hmm. Patrice, you've talked about this before. You, when, probably, I think, when you talked about the, um, the, the uh, convent, right? Um, the Ursuline convent. So in 1725 was the first public cemetery built, and it was on St. Peter Street, and it was an in-ground cemetery. You know, they buried people there and they did have problems with the water table. They had problems with with burying people in ground. But then in 1788, the yellow fever epidemic came, which Mm -hmm. you've also talked about. But, you know, I don't know if it was specifically New Orleans, but it was all over the south. All the south and the coastal areas, because, like, you know, that's where they sent prisoners Mm -hmm. and and people they didn't want to deal with from Europe. Mm -hmm. So you have like the colony. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. So this was like a massive public health emergency because people were dying in such great numbers and so quickly that there was no way to even bury people at all. It didn't have to necessarily do with in-ground burial. It had to do with the fact that there were towers of people 
on the side of the road that right. just had died and couldn't be buried that fast. Right. You know, there's dead people everywhere. There's all this humidity and wetness and oh God, disease. Oh, yeah. Can and you disease. just imagine? Exactly. Yeah. Because Surprise, we came back without a disease. I know, right? <laughs> it's like I thought at least one of us was going to have COVID or the flu or something. Oh, you know what Lord. I mean? <laughs> hey, we've been two weeks now. We're good with that. I think we're good. We didn't I think bring we're that good. back from New Orleans. No, we did not. <laughs> so this... So, you know, all this, this yellow fever epidemic, and there's this, of course, there's this terrible stench in, in the city and they're, you know, they're trying to get people buried, but they can't. And they decide that they're going to open St. Louis Cemetery at the time was a, a suburban area kind of outside of the, the city. And they still did in ground at first. And, and part of it was because of a reaction to this yellow fever epidemic, you know, it's like, we're obviously at capacity. We need to add more places. But, you know, too, it's, you know, when you're burying people and they're they're they end up being kind of shallowly buried and there are so many people and it's so quickly done, that public health emergency doesn't get sorted out because if somebody sticks a stick in the wrong place, they're releasing infection into the air. You know, I mean, like, for real, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. but that's yeah. like, that's legit. No, I know it, it is. The local dogs and cats don't dig them up. I know. God. Yes. But Put those rocks on top. So the, the plan <laughs> for San Luis Cemetery came around this time. And like I said, they were still doing in ground at, at the very first. And it did get moved and the, the, the boundaries of it got changed at one point. And if you want all the history of that, there are a billion places you can find it. I'm not going to get into that. But um, one thing I always forget is that the Spanish had New Spanish. Orleans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From, they went back and forth. Yeah. From, so the French had it until 1763 and then the Spanish had it from 63 to 1803. The French got it back for like a millisecond and then sold it to the U.S. The US for the, yeah. It was 1789 when San Luis was established, the cemetery number one. And Esteban Miro was the governor of New Orleans and he was he had Spanish allegiance. And so he was like, well, Spain has these above ground vaults. Spain has these walls of vaults. And this design seems like a good solution for this space. So it was the influence of European Spanish um, architects that kind of led to this wall vault idea. It had already been designed and tested other places. So they begin doing above ground tombs in New Orleans. And some of them, like we've said, are these big vaults, these crypts with mm -hmm. these statues. And, you know, it's very showy. You know, it's they're like marble freestanding four or five feet high and they're expensive. And I looked and looked to try and find how much they cost for people at the time. I found I found a photo of a sign at San Luis Cemetery. One, two, and three was charging like, and this was not for your plot. This was for the services of a sexton to come out and a remove yes. or place a body in a crypt. And that was like six or seven dollars for babies, you know, eight or nine dollars for adults. So, you in know, what year I, I couldn't. It's, oh. So it's this picture in this book called oh. Gumbo Yaya, which I bought at the, Frenchman, uh, at the Frenchman bookstore. And it doesn't have a date on it. So I'm not sure, you know, black and white, sometime in black and white time. <laughs> now it costs 40 grand to get a plot say. in San Luis Cemetery. To get a plot. Does that even count the sexton? I doubt it. Yeah. And, you know, our, our guide also talked about like, so if you pay, you'll pay more if you pay for care in perpetuity, which means the church forever is to take care of your tomb, your, you know, your plot. If you if you pay for the plot and then the family comes in and takes care of the tomb afterwards, I think the price would be lower and different. But if you pay for the church to care for it, you've got to pay this up front. And Courtney was like, I, th I think it was you the whole time. <laughs> well, was like, how much did it cost? How much did it cost to pay in perpetuity? Well, I was just thinking too, like, mm, 
Those old families got in good like inflation. They I, I paid six dollars to the church in eighteen eighty five, and they're still taking care of it. Exactly right. And you know it's cost them more than that. I know. So you know, the, so these are of course these these big vaults are unaffordable for many 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 people. Cremation was banned in the Catholic Church until 1963, which I don't know that our guide said. No, because no, I, one of the no. things that I thought of was like, well, what? Why I mean, they'll just, cremate? just be yeah. cremated, mm-hmm. and it's cheaper. But you, if you're Catholic, you couldn't be cremated until the 60s of 19. <laughs> so they had to have other options. So these, this enter these wall vaults or these oven vaults is what they were called. And this was this was weirdly like I was so this fucking fascinated. Oh my god! I had no idea. It was like the opening no of the tour, and it was like the most invested I was in everything. Mm-hmm. These wall vaults, like I said, they're you know the ones that we were looking at. He was pointing out this eye level vault. That's you know what was it? Probably like you know one foot by two feet, two feet by two feet. Yeah, if just that, like the idea of what you would think a crematorium would look like too. Very just slide yeah, the casket. Very in. small. It's it the size high, of a casket. But that wall is the high. wall is high, uh, and like they they feet. were lined. They, you know, yeah. they were they were piled up. You know, there were several openings, um, one above each other. But the top one was taller than me. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So these tended to be. I mean, I it sounded like they still could be individual tombs, but they tended to be family tombs. So it's it's group burial, which I also I I just never realized this. So how these tombs work? Someone dies. There is a procession to the cemetery. There's a hearse or a carriage that brings the coffin there. There's a sexton that comes. He's the guy you pay six bucks for. He comes and he has already removed this. You know, you look at these and there's usually like an engraved marble tablet or something like that on the front that says the family name and this this showy, you know, nice. And so he's taken that off. And behind it, there's a brick wall with masonry. And so, you know, he's removed the masonry. And he's put a curtain up there so that people can't look in to, right. to the hole. He's already dealt with all that shit. So they get the coffin to the cemetery. They, they finish the funeral. They lift the coffin up and they slide it into this but hole. But it's not any coffin. It's, just, it's not like the coffins that we think about nowadays. Oh, Pro- probably not. It was, it's just just it was just It was a wood box. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, nothing it's, fancy. Because it's meant to, it I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. decay. Right. Like the goal is for it to decay. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, you know, put that in and brick brick back over it, put mm-hmm. all it and put the tablet back on. And then you have a waiting period of a year and a day, which is a, a ceremonial waiting period for like a one year mourning period. And then it's disrespectful to remove someone on the day of their burial. So you wait another day. And after that period is over... You've had an entire year of subtropical seasons. New Orleans, yeah, weather. Yeah. So if you've you've ever been to New Orleans mm -hmm. in August, I mean, there are days when I like you feel like you're decaying as you walk. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like too. you can smell decay everywhere, everywhere you walk. Some places, half of it's you, and so it's yep. <laughs> so it's it's doing its job in this case. Yes. So this is built for exactly this type of environment. So it goes through four seasons of of decomposition, and in that time, it's inside this you know bricked in oven. you know structure, and it mm-hmm. it turns into a crematory. Yep. It, I mean, Which it blew hastens, my fucking mind when like, he said that, that. Can't be right. But like, it basically slowly cremates the body so that in the course of a year, and it do- doesn't always work the way that, you know, the yeah. way that it's intended. But o- generally, in the course of a year, you're left with bones. Bones, just, yeah. In a casket. That year and a day passes. 
and the sexton comes back. I guess they keep like a spreadsheet. You know? <laughs> yeah, they do their <laughs> That's what I seriously I don't know <laughs> why. They put the reminder on their that. phone. They put the, the <laughs> Google like it's been a year and a day. Time to get Mr. Smith. <laughs> so he and the way our guide said it, he's like the sexton comes, he removes the tablet, he takes out three bricks to let oh, all God, the critters no. crawl out. <laughs> Oh my God! Roaches. When he said that, he said "rushes" in my head just. Went, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the worst part of it in all. New Orleans. I don't think I've ever seen a cockroach. Thank God. But I know living in a river town like Columbus, Mississippi, we mm. would call them like um, Johnny cockroaches because they'd be like huge. Mm. They'd be the river cockroaches that would fly. Yeah. The Florida, the Florida so ones big. are pretty terrifying. So, yeah. So he would he would take a couple bricks out, he'd let it sit, and then he'd remove the rest of the bricks. It And this really blew my mind because you kind of think of like, okay, you put things in a tomb and they stay there. That's how things work. No, you remove the coffin, you dump, or, you know, if it's a certain type, you dump the remains out of the coffin. You destroy the coffin. And underneath the chamber where the coffin was, there's what's called a caveau or a receiving chamber or a receiving vault. And they take the remains and they put them in that receiving vault. And there are some that are built like with this ingenious little gap in the back where all you have to do is just like, turn the coffin upside down, and empty it, it and take a brush and push it in. And it falls all through the grate into the receiving chamber. And you're in there with the rest of your family for all eternity. <sighs> And they're ready for the next guy. That just like the whole process just like blew my mind. Me too. I was just like, holy shit. So then they re-brick it. They place the tablet back until the family needs another. And then Courtney, (laughs) what happens? If somebody dies else in the family within that year and a day. You, ha- you have to rent out a space. Because every, I feel like the light bulb, everybody's listening and listening. And then I think everybody had the same question at the same time. Everybody's looking. He goes, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> what if somebody is so inconsiderate that they decide to die before that year and a day is over and they're supposed to be in the same tomb? What are you going to do? And he's like, they would just rent some from the next family mm-hmm. or... From the, the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Rent out of space. That's like the most functional wall no <laughs> ever. And that's the that's what's really funny is because I remember that first time I went and I was looking at all this and I was like, I understand the purpose of this, but it just seems so wasteful. Yeah. Right. You know, there's so much space taken up by these big monuments. Mm-hmm. And because and you like, think there's one person. You think there's one person. Like four people, like oh, if wow. it's a family. But in in a in reality, this is extremely efficient. So this this San Luis uh, cathedral cemetery number one, Saint Louis Cemetery number one is a single city block in New Orleans. Just one block. One mm-hmm. block. There's more than 700 tombs inside, but there are tens of thousands of he was people like interred there. He said 50,000. Yeah. yeah. And other people have said 100,000, but I think those people are full of shit because it's mostly <laughs> like ghost tour websites. Well, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it probably is over 50,000 people. Oh, yeah. And um, since what year was it established? 1780? Um, 1789. Uh-huh. So, you know, really, it's just this massive, like, it's, One block. it's very efficient. Yeah. And so there are other group tombs, too. If you can't uh, you can't go in there with your family, there are these big uh, tombs for social societies. And one of them was the New Orleans Musician Society tomb. The one that he pointed out to us was the Italian Mutual Benevolent Society. Oh, these are these the big huge. things. Yes. I mean, and that was one of the ones that was really stand out. I think it's the tallest one in the cemetery. Yeah, it's yeah. featured in that movie. It's, in the oh, Easy that's Rider. right. Easy, Easy Rider. Rider. It was featured in Easy like Rider. A full 
like human sized statue on the mm-hmm. top of it they sit on. Mm-hmm. And there are several lap. others yeah. in yeah. little alcoves yeah. around the outside of it. It's kind of because a dome it's more shape. like it's a like dome. A yeah, it's not like mm-hmm. the other ones where it's a little house. It's like it's a big monument, but there's more than a there's room for up to a thousand people in it mm-hmm. because then folks can the entire society goes in together and pays for this tomb and then. Anyone who's a member of that society has dues, I'm sure, and and goes in and they can then benefit from that. So everybody Mm -hmm. shares the cost of it, which makes it affordable Mm -hmm. to be, you know, to be buried there. And and it's like the other ones where you basically get cremated and dropped down and then the next guy comes. So So, smart. So, you know, we're wandering through this labyrinth and kind of marveling at all this stuff because they're all so different. There's no lack of things to look at. Like, they're mm-hmm. all Beautiful. so different. And even just like the Great. patterns of the plaster breaking off and of the things. And little ferns. Tiny ferns growing in every crevice. They're yeah. beautiful. But so we're wandering through here and suddenly like we go towards the back of the cemetery. We reach this weird open grassy spot. It's like this little grassy alleyway in the back. Very open. And it doesn't look super manicured. It's not the way that like our, you know, Protestant graveyards generally look. Right. And we we find out this is the Protestant section of the Catholic (laughs) cemetery. And the back alley. (laughs) And it looked now and I I won't say most because I, I think I was just fixated on these ones. But like as we walked out, there were there were a bunch of in-ground graves still mm-hmm. he said when they would have to dig them for people they would have no. grave diggers come in and they would dig and they dig and they dig and they'd get like a foot down and the grave would be filled with water mm-hmm. and they dig and they dig and they dig and they'd be in their waders trying to dig more out of this and they'd have a second group of people come in to bail while these people dig because like you know there's so much water in the ground yes and it then, seemed like a fool's errand it actually. really did it absolutely <laughs> did and then they would put the coffin in and basically stand on it and they would bring this large what, i don't know what it's slab called. it was a slab that they would place yeah, on top of it the, and then everybody would stand time. on it and basically jump down. <laughs> to get it to like stay down. It's and like, why couldn't they just like look at the rest of the cemetery that was doing just fine? <laughs> but no, they had to be different. I well, know, you know right? the Protestant and Catholic divide. How deep they go. We're not doing what totally, We are going to go so in ground like, like a true Christian. I know. So because it was a, such a Jesus line of demarcation. shall be buried under the earth. Yes. Um, so, and you know, what's interesting too, and I had to look this up was in, in Hurricane Katrina, even now, this isn't the case with this one, but even a lot of mausoleums like this above ground tombs weren't safe because in areas like Baton Rouge, it was such a powerful storm that it tore the doors off of these crypts and, and drew people out anyways. But in San Louis, it submerged everything, but nothing was destroyed. Um, so the other thing that we noticed and that he pointed out as well is, you know, from Marie Laveau's tomb on, like a, like Patrice said, everything is is plastered over in white and you see these X's everywhere. There's these, mm-hmm. you know, in in different materials, some of them are red and some of them are just like look like they're etched in with a knife. And um, so you see these X's everywhere. And I didn't say anything really about Marie Laveau's tomb, but it was one of the first stops we made and you wouldn't have known it was hers. No. Which is not what I expected no, at it, all. I was I was kind of shocked. I was. And I and I looked at it and I was like, is he I honestly had a moment where like, is he lying? No. Because if you look at the engraving on the plate at the entrance to the crypt at I which is kind of at eye level, it's in French, but it's for the widow Paris, the family mm-hmm. Glapion. And these are her this is her husband and her common law husband. 
And so like, but Laveau only appears once on that engraving. So it's like, if you can't read French, it's, you wouldn't know at all. And it's just like the others. It's what, how, how tall do you think it was? I have a picture right now of him standing. It was taller than him because. Yeah, I was going to say it was taller than a lot of the other ones. Um, He's standing here in front of it. I mean, it's probably eight feet eight tall. Eight feet, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's got three openings on it because mm-hmm. it is a family tomb. But if you didn't see the little bronze plaque, and it's a yeah. small, small paper, you know, it's probably an eight by 11 small bronze plaque on the left bottom side, you wouldn't know that it was Marie Laveau's tomb. Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't stand out. But you would see these these X's mm-hmm. on it. And there were more of them on it than on some of the others. He, he told us the story of one of the reasons why they closed the cemetery was because of vandalism. Mm-hmm. People had come in and painted over specifically her tomb with pink latex paint. And they were afraid that they would never be able to restore it. But they they did. But they had to whitewash the entire thing. And right. I don't know, maybe more ways than one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty whitewashed. So um, there's no flavor there. And Courtney, Courtney can probably mm-hmm. say what it looked like before because you went to I have it. a picture of it right here. Well, it it was, looked more it was like colorful, pink right? and purple. Mm-hmm. There are flowers, beads. Yeah. Shells. It looked more like um, Kelly Mitchell's grave. Yeah. yeah. Um, offerings, offerings, mm-hmm. and he said that like the little alleyway between her crypt and the next one sometimes would be filled to the brim mm-hmm. all the way up six feet up, filled with flowers and offerings and things like that from people who had come. But you know, he talked about these these X's that you would see on the walls, and he said the reason why they're there is because there was this kind of legend that there were certain things that you could do at her tomb and at other people's tombs in order to gain favor from the spirits inside. And the first thing was to knock on it, right. and, which is funny because we both did this a little while ago, is to knock, because we always it. say knock, knock on, on wood, wood, right? And mm-hmm. so in, in this case, it's to let the spirit inside to know you're there so you don't and like freak it out. And that's where the saying knock on wood comes from, is to awaken the spirit. It is, but it also, it comes from like a European tradition that's even older than like cemeteries like this, I guess, where they believe that all the spirits lived in trees. And so they would touch touch wood or knock on wood to get favor from the spirits in the trees. And then that transferred into, you know, tombs and graves and things like that. And um, so the the myth went that you would knock to wake the spirit and to kind of get it ready to like transfer favor to you. And then you would break a piece of brick off of another tomb and draw three X's and then you would make your wish and leave an offering. Now, this is a story that people tell about Marie Laveau's tomb specifically because she was the, you know, the purported voodoo queen of New Orleans. Right. And the offerings would be like anything you people mm-hmm. like like Courtney said and you said you know people would leave food just like the gypsy queen they'd leave bottles of things they'd leave jewelry they'd leave things that are important to them or things that they knew the person liked so since the rumor was that Marie Laveau is a hairdresser they would leave like hairpins and things like that so the exes even now when nobody is allowed to like kind of bring things in they're still drawn all over the the cemetery and some say that you would put those exes in you would scream your wish you would rub the tomb with your foot you would leave some coins in a silver bowl there are a bunch of different stories about how you would get your wish from from her tomb mm-hmm. but our our guide charles said all of this is bullshit right um that it's not based on voodoo no. it's based on visitors and urban legend <laughs> yeah yeah and but he did tell the story and you guys may have to correct me on this but in my brain this is what i remember that there's a tomb further back in the cemetery called the periwinkle tomb 
And he told a story of a man who had been, who maybe was not raised Catholic and had gone to this tomb to mourn his wife and had been told that in order to do whatever he needed to do or get whatever he needed to get from this, he needed to go to her tomb and, and make the sign of the cross three times. Yeah. It was, and yeah. he, oh, that's what it was. And yes. so he went and grabbed what he could, which was a brick from another tomb and didn't understand what the sign of the cross means, spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch, <laughs> and took the, the brick and made three X's on the tomb because those were his three signs of the cross. And, um, if I I don't know if I remember that in my head he's drunk I may have just made a new legend <laughs> I don't know I don't oh it's New Orleans but you know Probably. that was that was where he was like this whole thing comes from a bit of foolishness right and it's mm-hmm. not actually you know somebody that doesn't have good handwriting yeah and, and, <laughs> exactly yes and did the crosses sideways so that now that they're exes. yeah so you know of course you know the other people like we said it's Marie Laveau Nicholas Cage paid you know forty <sighs> grand to get his God. pyramid in this cemetery. Homer Plessy of Plessy versus Ferguson Supreme mm-hmm. Court ruling yep. um, mm-hmm. is there. And there were a bunch of other people, too. But um, it was just like it was one of the most interesting things. Absolutely. And it got me down the road of Marie Laveau, which is funny. I think I don't know. Have you talked much about her on the show? I yeah, a we did about... well with uh, La Laurie. Yeah, La with La Laurie. Yeah, right. I talked about her um, when I did Little Violet, mm-hmm. and um, but I don't know that either of us has really delved much into lore of Marie Laveau. So that may be in the future, right? And I found some other stuff too that came from this that I might we might be talking about cemeteries Yay. for a while yet. Oh my god, it's so interesting. And I tell you what, y'all, perfect weather like it was so miserable in alabama like the day before that we left i mean it was just cold and misty and just gross weather and it had been that way all week and the day that we toured the cemetery it was low humidity which i've never experienced in new orleans (laughs) ever the bluest sky that i've ever seen mm, like so pretty so pretty just perfect weather mm. and it really this whole um experience was just magical mm-hmm. it was really great yeah loved it so yeah that's the fascinating kind of semi-history of the san louis uh cemetery number one if yeah. you ever want to go ask for charles he's a nice dude yeah absolutely that was great. Thank well, you. And it. If you want to hear more about our trip and the gaudier details, <laughs> hang in for the after talk. Mm-hmm. You can join us on Patreon for the very low price of three dollars. I was thinking there are some videos, not of what we did, but of what others were doing. That they're not never going to make there's a socials. Video, there's a video that Patrice told me never to share. <laughs> I think it's just bad singing, though. <laughs> well, thanks, y'all, for listening. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Yours is on top. Yours is on bottom. <laughs> it's just a difference. See? Yeah. You can... Um, there's a little... There should be a little nut on it if you like it on top you, you got to squeeze the nut i like it on top <laughs> it was upside down and backwards wow that's yeah. adventurous <laughs> it's trying too hard <laughs> <laughs> oh god